Hey guys, welcome to my podcast, Check It Out by Jules, where we have conversations about life. Sometimes we don't know where our conversation is going to lead, but we know it will always be relatable. So stay tuned for our next episode. See you soon. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> ah, so welcome to our fourth episode in Check It Out by Jewel in, their, in our series, Work-Life Adjustments in Quarantine. And today I have none other than, you guys know her, if you're on Instagram and you love her lives, you know who this is. Uh, we have none other than Rebecca, aka Sister Becky of Quarantine with Becky. So say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so we are so happy to have you. Um, because if people do not know, Rebecca in real life, okay, is a bomb educator. Okay. Um, she is a phenomenal educator who makes impact every day in lives of um, scholars who are collegiate scholars actually and in um in appreciation of teachers week which was kind of overshadowed by nurses week um <laughs> which I think is so wrong right no <laughs> teachers and nurses should have their own week or their own month separated so for people out there we need to sign a petition okay educators need to be <laughs> recognized all right so, in honor of Teachers Appreciation Week, um, I wanted to ensure that we had this phenomenal educator on this episode um, so that we can show appreciation to you for everything that you're doing and all other educators out there who are essential because if right. um, I'm, I'm sure parents realize that, um, hey, yeah, I need some teachers right now to rescue me. So uh, you guys are just as essential as healthcare workers, police officers, and everyone out there doing what they're supposed to be doing. So I wanted to, to highlight you, okay? Thank you. <laughs> yes, I appreciate that. Um, and thank you for having me as a guest today on your podcast. Yes, yes, yes. So great work, so... Thank you. Thank you for being our guest. So first, I'm going to give you a little opportunity to just tell us a little bit about um, Quarantine with Becky. And then we're going to really jump into the bigger scope of what you do on your day to day um, as a as a as an educator. So tell us a little bit about um, about live Quarantine with Becky. So Quarantine with Becky um, is a live IG show that I created, and it actually began the very first week that um, many of, I guess, non-essential workers, essential workers became quarantined. And it happened organically. I kind of just felt stuck in the house for the week, and I decided to go live um, with one of my sisters, my other, our other sister, Jessica. <laughs> and so um, I didn't think anything of it, actually. But that night, you know, I decided to speak to her um, on the show about like friendships. And, you know, mm -hmm. we had a lot of comments. People were really tuned in. Um, so after that first live show, people were telling me, you know, you should really think about doing this again 
And so ever since we've been quarantined, I've just been having guests on um, my live show and we just, just talk about issues related to life, related to, um, you know, things that we may experience um, in our personal journeys. And so, uh, yeah, that's quarantine with Becky. And who knows, I'm not, even after being quarantined, I might try to develop some type of show. I'm not sure yet. But yeah, I love the fact that I'm able to engage with um, my IG family, my friends and family, because I am quarantined by myself. So having a space where we just come on every week, I feel connected. <laughs> so I feel like I'm in the room with, you know, my 20 something or 30 something viewers at the time. Mm, that's yeah. beautiful. Beautiful. Um, and if you have not um, attended a live, you definitely should tune in every Friday at nine. Um, Rebecca has her live up sister Becky on IG. Follow her. It's very um, informative entertaining at the same time so you'll you'll it has a lot of depth at the same time it had and and heart but at the same time it has laughter because um you know everyone also brings who they are their authentic selves to um the conversation right. so and and uh, um, not only the the guests but the viewers so it really brings for a great balance of space and conversation right. so okay Thank <laughs> you. yeah so tell us a little bit about um your day-to-day like how if you want to you don't you can share like how you got into the education field if you want or you could just share a little bit about your day-to-day and what you do. Um, sure. So I am a licensed social worker, um, and I currently work for the City University of New York um, at one of our many senior CUNY colleges. I won't state which one because I don't want to put myself too out there. Um, <laughs> and I work as a counselor and an instructor and also as an academic advisor. So I hold three different roles. I'm also currently the counseling coordinator for my program um, and my department. And so that can come with a lot of responsibilities, a lot of tasks, um, even being quarantined from home. Um, I have a lot of um, obligations that I have to be mindful of. And um, on a day-by-day, I am working with students. I'm teaching group counseling courses. I am helping students uh, enroll for their courses um, for the following semester. I am also serving as a, I guess, a mediator between students and other faculty members. Um, I'm doing a lot of administrative work. Um, I am attending Mm -hmm. Zoom meetings, (laughs) (laughs) Um, trying to make sure that as a department, we are on top of everything that Um, we need to do to still remain productive and efficient so yeah it can come with a lot Mm -hmm. Um, so 
Um, but I love what I do. I've been doing it for the past six years now. Um, and I love working with my students. I love working with my team. I work with predominantly Black and Latino, a predominantly Black and Latino population. Um, and so I work for and within my community. Um, and it's something that I love doing. Um, let's say, um, let's say yes to black girl magic and everything in between and you know like and thank god you know for placing you with all these different responsibilities because you are doing it sis exclamation 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 okay (laughs) we give god glory yes 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 you are doing it um tell us about what before post quarantine right like i mean pre-quarantine not post pre-quarantine let's talk a little about let's talk a little bit about how that was for your yeah how that was for you in the building with students day to day like let's talk a little bit about that engaging with students Mm -hmm. um so every semester depending on what semester it is I can teach between two to three courses every semester um and on top of that I have a caseload of about 80 students, um, and, you know, I'm also sitting on, uh, I'm sitting in committees uh, on campus, so I, I sit on the Black History Month committee, I also sit on the reinstatement committee for students who are trying to uh, come back into the college, reinstating the college. I sit on the commencement committee, so when it comes to graduation affairs and preparing for graduation, um, I'm I am also responsible for some of the task. Um, I work with students who are currently in foster care, who were previously in foster care, who are um, a ward of the court. Um, And yeah, I think on a daily basis, you know, me interacting with students, hearing some of their challenges, whether it's academic challenges or personal psychological challenges, you know, I try to help them navigate through some of those um, issues and concerns. And um, I think for me, the best part about my job is being able to connect Mm -hmm. with these students and them being able to see in me that I am a safe space. Um, And also, um, because I'm not too far in age from them, um, you know, in interacting with them, they feel very comfortable. They feel as if they can relate. Um, And yeah, I think teaching in the classroom for me is one of the biggest parts of my of my job um, because I, I feel as if when it comes to changing or serving as a, a change agent in society, you know, it starts in the classroom mm-hmm. first. So I love having the opportunity to teach my students, having the opportunity to challenge them to think differently. Um, Cause in teaching this generation um, is sometimes it could become, a, it could be a challenging mm-hmm. Um, because they're so distracted by so many things. Um, But I think in the classroom, I have the opportunity to challenge them to think for themselves Mm -hmm. and not just regurgitate what they've heard over the years um, or what they, or what 
someone else said to them. So like posing questions where they really, that really um, pushes them to, to think critically mm. for themselves and um, teaching them to learn more about their culture, learn more about the in and out of society, why society functions the way it does. Um, what they can do as individuals and in their communities to make a difference, to make a change. And so, yeah, um, I love the idea of, of teaching and being a part of a community where, you know, we can make a difference. So how vital, within everything that you're doing, how vital is the face-to-face interaction between you and the students that you engage with on a day-to-day I think I think you know in light of this pandemic and um with us moving to teaching remotely and completing tasks um remotely I think I now see how much more um it's a it's a it's effective to have the one the the in the to be able to engage with students um face to face because a lot of my students recently have expressed how difficult it is for them to learn online um they've expressed you know challenges with their family members during this pandemic and not being able to walk into the office to like speak to me as a counselor or as an instructor or, you know, speak to another colleague member, I realize how challenging it is for them, mm-hmm. um, especially students who have never, imagine never taking an online course, mm. and then all of a sudden, all five of your courses are online, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So just trying to balance that. Um, I've been trying to help students understand that, you know, everyone is going through this pandemic. So, I'll have students email me about their professors not responding Mm. or their professors not showing up um, on Zoom or on Blackboard to teach a course. And I have to keep reminding them that, you know, unfortunately, I don't know what the status of your professor Mm. is. We don't know. Mm. Your professor, God forbid, could be laying in a hospital bed right now, or he or she might be mourning the loss of a loved one. And they too are trying to figure out how to adjust to this change. Um, So just telling my students, you know, trying to encourage them to be patient um, with learning remotely and trying to figure out things because we're all trying to figure it out together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Even working from home for me has been a challenge. It is not easy to sit behind a computer and check emails all day. Um, or sit in meetings through Zoom. And it kind of feels as if you are a robot. Because some people, <laughs> some people, you know, might might think that. And I'm talking about, like, the administration of the institution. Mm-hmm. One, there's so many demands coming at you. And they're asking you to do this and do that. I'm just like, we're in a pandemic. Where everybody is experiencing grief in different ways. And so... Everyone is trying to adjust to what has happened. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, everyone is still trying to move forward as if nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, I see that the face-to-face interaction, um, I value it even more so now 
and I see how it has affected not only my students but myself Mm. can you say a little bit more about about that um yeah so again and you know as I mentioned having to sit behind my computer and and check for emails and me personally I even though I am I like to say I'm an introvert I might be an ambivert. Mm-hmm. I might be interesting. Um, I think for me, I just like to protect my space. So if if I am comfortable around people, if I feel safe around people, then I'm a social butterfly. But if I'm not comfortable around people, then you can tell that, you know, I'm just kind of in my mm-hmm. bubble. But I think for me, being in quarantine um, as an educator and just as a, just a, as a human mm-hmm. being, I just... It's been challenging. I think week one, week two, I was like, yeah, I got to be home. Like, <laughs> yo, this is great. Like, oh, my gosh. Um, and at one point, you know, they try to have us still come into the office. And I was just like, absolutely not. Because <laughs> if something happens to me, like, my whole family will be impacted. Like, you know, I was just like, I'm not coming in. But week two, I was like, yes, you know, I'm going to create a routine for myself. I'm going to wake up. Um, when I want to wake up, <laughs> I'm going to take a shower. When I want to take a shower, I'm going to work out so I don't gain so much weight while I'm here in this house of myself. And then I think by week four, I was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, I'm still here. I was like, this is still happening, you know. Um, and I began to feel, like, very sad about what, what's been going on. And I didn't realize that it would affect me mm. this way, but it has. Mm. Um, and so I appreciate um, having contact with people even more so now. Like I understand when God says it is not good for man to be alone. I under- like that's I understand that on a whole different mm. level now. You know, not only dealing with intimate relationships or not. I I just understand it even more so now because um, to be in an apartment by yourself and then you know still having to do work and still having to meet all these demands. And, Sometimes it might feel like, oh my gosh, it might feel very overwhelming. So yeah, just you know, some examples like that. Okay. Yeah, I think you know, so you know, I think in the beginning, like for a lot of people that had to transition to working remotely, um, for some now, not for everybody, um, they were like, yes, you know, I don't have to see people on the day to day. No one is always pulling at me. Um, so now, you know, I can work at a at a pace that's a little bit more suitable for me. But it's like, um, no, it can become even more draining because the expectations from as an educator from from parents, scholars. Ad- administration colleagues is at a higher level now because everyone is trying to figure it out and everyone needs help in different ways or has demands from you in different ways and I think the longer it is that we stay isolated the more we realize that no human interaction is at the core of who we are because it's the essence of what makes us feel it's the, at the essence of what makes right. us connect so even mm-hmm. more so now if you're not reflective on that part at least then I don't know what to tell you like I won't ever take a hug for granted 
again right. especially from mm-hmm. scholars like from you know from from students mm-hmm. um because it's mm-hmm. like wow you realize like when we are all isolated like I cannot connect with people the way I would love to and it's daunting right now it's, mm-hmm. it's very daunting um but let's talk a little bit about equity right because the government right at least I know for a lot of the GOE schools I don't know about CUNY for for much and I'm glad we're also having this conversation about college um you know academia on a collegiate level because we hear Mm -hmm. often what's happening with students who are in elementary high school middle school but I don't really hear what's happening for college students I really don't hear about that I mean I could be in a different space (laughs) you know watching a different type of news but I don't really get to hear what is happening at the academia level to support um, adult students and, and I'm like I, it doesn't matter if they are at over 18 they're still students they're still dealing with academia just like the rest of the world so I know that they were giving out a lot of um, resources to students and families um, who are at the you know public school level but on the mm-hmm. CUNY level I know you guys do give out um laptops i remember when i was in college we and especially in cuny we can have we can gain access to a laptop if we needed to from the school Mm -hmm. so what has happened and how has students who may not have access to certain things how were they able to support those students now um so yeah i mean i can't speak for every cuny college because even even um, generally, if, you know, the city university says that, you know, there are resources here, you know, those resources get allocated differently, mm-hmm. even within the community system. Mm-hmm. So that's another conversation as well. Um, but specifically for the college that I work for, yes, students um, were able to have access to um, laptops. We had a, a loan system where students are able to loan laptops from the college um, during this pandemic. Um, Also, the college had a, we've always had a food pantry for students because the college that I work for, um, we understand the needs of our population. Mm -hmm. So we've always had a food pantry and the food pantry continued um, um, even during the pandemic. Um, Occasionally, you know, each students will receive emails stating that if they are in need of food, um, they can come and stop by the college to to get some food. Um, the City University of New York, I believe, has an emergency grant um, for students who have dire needs during this mm-hmm. time. I think specifically DACA students, um, and also, I think uh, I'm not sure if it's students who the students with disabilities. Who, yeah I think so I think the criteria is different Mm -hmm. um I'm not sure exactly what the criteria is but there is an emergency fund for students within the CUNY system um there are different layers um because within the student population there are different student Mm -hmm. populations Mm -hmm. I know what you mean yeah I know what you mean so um within CUNY we have you know foster care Mm -hmm. students um and Students who are homeless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so 
fosters for foster care students or students who are previous in foster care or are orphaned or ward of the court, um, there is a program called um, the Foster Care Success Initiative mm-hmm. um, for those students. And, and within that program, there are different fundings in that program as well for students. Um, a lot of students... Um, within the foster care program, some of them were um, in dorms. Um, there are some CUNY schools that have dorms. And so even for some students within the dorm, um, some students had to move out of the wow. dorms during this pandemic. And um, some students didn't have anywhere to go. Wow. Um, I remember we were on this like Zoom um, conference meeting and um, with the foster care students and we, or students who are part of this initiative, and we were asking some of them to share some of their experiences in light of, of this pandemic. And, you know, I had a student share that um, she didn't have anywhere to go because she was not only in college, um, a part of this initiative, but she was aging wow. out. Um, so she didn't have anywhere to go. And she said, you know, thankfully her... Uh, one of her previous foster care moms was so like nice and understanding and she allowed her to come back to the home like for free. And I, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm grateful for those people during this time. But, you know, there are some students that don't necessarily have that resource, you know. So we don't even know to the full extent how many students are dealing um, with, with coping during this pandemic or to the full extent how how they are being supported wow and we won't know we won't really know until um this pandemic ends you know how it's really affected many students and and even more so like i'm thinking about what you're saying i'm thinking about like families who have like kids in regular public school like little kids that usually when they come to school we're the only place where they get three meals a day like from after school from breakfast Mm -hmm. and lunch and now with this pandemic and they were they were probably they're probably living in a shelter or was living in a shelter before it's like how are they navigating right and so then we know how we hold in the public school, we can hold ourselves accountable to at least try to keep up with if students are at least alive. We, will, I'm gonna say, because we have to still call and check in, right? Just to know that the students mm-hmm. are okay. Like, how are they? How are they um, accounting for students, especially students who um, who now, you know, foster students and students who are in these. Um, dire situation like how are they how are they like ensuring that they keep in contact with those students or see how those students are doing yeah so in reality we can't keep account for every mm-hmm. student is this is too many students within the CUNY system um I know specifically speaking about um the college that I work for you know we can only really give an account for students in our department um which is probably about probably makes up less than 10% of the student mm-hmm. population. But um, like I, I, I've ha- we've had students email us saying that, you know, they're struggling with this, struggling with that. I personally had a student on my case so email me um, to tell me she's been dealing with domestic violence mm. issue even, even before this pandemic. 
And now that this pandemic has happened, you know, she's not in a safe mm-hmm. environment. Um, and I think when I saw the emails, it's like, oh my gosh, like I don't, I don't, I didn't even really know how to fully respond. But I did. What I did do, of course, is you know, give the information for a domestic violence hotline, so that you know, because normally they have safety plans in place that she can call them and they can create a safety plan. There are resources out, resources out there um, online, but you know, think about if you don't have access to Wi-Fi, like how do you even connect to those resources? Mm-hmm. You know, so we we can't really fully give an account for every student, which is unfortunate, but. You know, that's the reality that we live in. For those that we can give an account for, you know, we try to do our best to, you know, check in and support them, um, let them know that we are here, let them know that we do have resources available for them um, if they need them. I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to shed light on on that particular, like, subgroup of students, whether they are adults, right, or um well, of course, at 18, you know, the state considers um, everyone an adult, but we don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about how this this group in the collegiate level is being impacted by this. And I'm thankful that you shed some light on this, especially kids, um, not, not kids, because they're not really, they're not kids, but especially um, students or, you know, adults in college who um, is in these dire situations um, because I'm, I'm just like, we always think about the, the kids and that's important because, you know, kids are not at the age where they can necessarily do much for themselves at all. But this is still important mm-hmm. for us to highlight because this, this group is also could be overlooked you know they yeah. and i think that yeah. a lot of they are being overlooked i think people think because they are at the adult age right that um these individuals at this adult age that they can figure it out and it's like um no not necessarily mm-hmm. and even if they can do they have the resources and how are we supporting mm-hmm. them you know cuz a lot of people within this um subgroup right adults they are um whether they're 40 or 55 or 18 or 25 um a lot of times they're dealing with this situation alone like they don't have a parent Mm -hmm. to go to you know whereas our our kids some of our kids have families and yes it's not always the best situation either but we also have this group who has no one and how are we supporting mm-hmm. them navigate this? So thank you for highlighting like what has been happening with this with this subgroup here as well. Um, I, I I think that you know it's important for them to have people who are voice a voice for them. Um, wow, because I, I mm-hmm. I'm learning a lot. Like hearing, I, you know, I, I'm at the public school level, which is with kids under 18 and under. So what we know is different. But what I'm hearing for academia, the academia level, it's the same in a sense in terms of like the subgroups, but how it's dealt with is very different. Yeah. Yeah, I think one one of the other issues that is that is probably being overlooked with this population mm-hmm. is the mental health issues that will will come up um, as a result of this pandemic. I 
Um, a lot of a lot of my students, even prior to this, you know, um, have struggled with um, like issues with anxiety and like depression. And, you know, I can only imagine what it's like for them now being quarantined and some of them having to stay in a household for the entire week with family members that maybe they don't necessarily mm-hmm. get along with and not feeling as if they can escape from their mm-hmm. present environment. Like going to school every day, like having classes, physical classes at a college is almost almost mm-hmm. serves as an escape for some for some mm-hmm. of the students. So not being able to do that at this time, I can imagine is, is very overwhelming for many of our students. Um, and it is troubling and it's something that we, you know, when we do, when we're, when we are able to re-enter uh, the college and the facility is something that the administration definitely has to take time to assess. Like, what are we, how are we now going to address some of the issues that have developed as a result of this pandemic? How are we going to help our students who mm-hmm. are probably grieving you know, the loss of loved ones and still trying to stay focused on their, their, their coursework, how we are going to address that issue because it will be an issue. Um, this semester specifically, CUNY um, created a policy, a new grading policy for students. Um, and so basically the policy states that at the end of the semester, when students' grades come in, they can request that their grades be changed to a C for credit or uh, NC okay. for no credit, which if that happens, so for example, let's say in light of this pandemic, I really didn't do well in my courses this semester um, because I was struggling. Um, and let's say I end up failing a course or I end up getting a low grade, that would affect my GPA. Well, instead of having the grades affect their GPA, um, they could request, you know, no credit or credit grades instead um, so that it doesn't have a impact on their overall GPA. So that's one of the things that they're implementing. They've implemented this semester. And I could imagine that many students will request for this grade change um, because it's difficult to be able to process and think and get assignments done in light of everything that's so going on. I, I'm glad that they have a system in place, but my other question is because on the collegiate level, it's a little bit different because you get to choose your major. So if it's a core class that is a requisite, like you have to take this class and you have to pass this class, does the, and you didn't do so well and you can do, you can decide to have it as no credit or credit or no credit, right? Is there an opportunity for you to do this class over at no penalty and no cost? So, so uh, the no cost part is something that the the, uni- the university is still trying to um, figure out um, because even requesting no credit and credit grades may come with financial right. aid implications that. I'm not too sure about. I don't think the I don't think the university has um, fully determined mm-hmm. what that would look like for students. Um, however, if a student does request, because normally, if you know, for your major, you can for courses within your major, you can't mm-hmm. get anything lower than a C grade. So, um, if a student requests um, a to have credit for the course, I don't think that will affect them moving forward, being able to take 
advanced courses. However, there, there is a conversation about students who are applying for med school because med school requires you to like have, a B plus or higher, you know, I think. Definite, yeah. Definite grades. Yeah. But so the conversation would be in light of, you know, medical programs, what are what are what structure are they putting in place for students that will apply to their programs after this pandemic? Because it wouldn't it wouldn't be fair, you know, to not get accepted to med school because in the spring of 2020 you received right. no credit or credit right. grades that wouldn't be fair um but th- those are the conversations that we're having with some of our students um who plan on applying to med schools to so just be mindful of if they have to take the course over again i'm not too sure what the fin- financial aid implications might be um but yeah that is something that you know we the university is mm-hmm. currently okay. discussing okay. now yeah i really hope that you know they take into account like one, how that is going to impact students, especially credential-wise and moving forward. And also, are they going to penalize students financially for a no-credit class that they want to take over to ensure that they have the grade that they would have worked so hard for? Not saying that they're not working hard for it now, but so hard for before this pandemic Mm -hmm. interrupted And it put in deficit all of our lives, right? Because at the public school level, Mm -hmm. of course, the state has put in place the grading policy of um, it's either you pass, um, I think it's just either you pass or you get an incomplete. But over the summer, right, if you get an incomplete because you were unable to, um, you didn't have access to be able to give in things, um, then Mm -hmm. over the summer, you can... I think they're going to try to think, figure out what summer school would look like. But there's always been that opportunity for yeah. summer school. But I think with state funding and how this is going to impact, how this has impacted state funding, I think they're going to probably rethink about how they do summer school. But at least there's usually a summer right. program for public school. Mm-hmm. So the kids, right, can go to school in the summer, redo the grades, but they're not paying for it. They don't have to pay for it. We're on a college. Mm-hmm level right a lot of us work hard I remember when we were in college and if we didn't have financial aid a lot of us had to work hard to pay for credits and I'm like I'm not I'm not trying to take this class again so it's like I really hope that they're really Mm -hmm. also um thinking about how they're gonna fit that bill for students because I think it would only be fair either they fit the bill for students or they only if they have to, or if they if they still have to force people to pay, at least students only pay one third of whatever the cost of the of the of the class is, the course is, you know. Yeah, that 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 might be challenging. I think the education yeah. is in a deficit, financial deficit. So, you know, you think about the University of New York and state funding and federal fund. I honestly, yeah. I don't know what that's going to look like because. We don't necessarily have the funding to do that, um, but you know, because we're all experiencing this at the same at, at the same time for the very first time. Um, I think as we go along, I would hope that the policies put in place do serve to benefit the student population and more so student of color. Um, but yeah, more so you, student that's another of color. Conversation. You, when you mentioned equity earlier, you mentioned equity earlier. 
we know that when a lot of policies are put into place, it does not necessarily benefit the mm-hmm. marginalized communities, um, disadvantaged communities, such as people of color. And so it's unfortunate. Um, but it, it's going to take for advocacy to happen. It's going to take for discourse to happen about what the impact really is for more so for students of color, because as we know, in light of this pandemic, uh, there are, there is data showing that, you know, black and brown mm-hmm, individuals are mm-hmm. being affected the most. Um, so even like, uh, I think two weeks over the administration, we had a meeting. Um, it was, you know, director of bursa's office, director of financial aid office, academic advisors, et cetera, et cetera. And we were discussing what it would look like for students mm-hmm. who begin to withdraw from classes um, or students who fail their classes, like what, what financial aid will look like for them next semester and what some of the implications will entail. And one of the things that I had to point out, I said, you know, in normal circumstances, if a student doesn't do well in a semester mm-hmm. and it affects their financial aid for the following semester, we ask that students mm-hmm. to submit documentation as to why they didn't perform well. But in this case, students may not be able to provide documentation. You know, how do you, how do you um, provide documentation in light of everything that's going mm-hmm. on and being secluded from everyone about experiencing domestic violence during the pandemic or about having symptoms of COVID-19 and not being tested for it mm-hmm. because you couldn't get mm-hmm. tested for, for it. But doesn't mean that you didn't have it. Doesn't mean that you, you know, it doesn't mean that you didn't have it. Um, so, but how do we now demand that students provide documentation to prove that these things have happened to them um, mm. as if they didn't happen, you know? So that's going to be very difficult. And that's part of the conversation as well. So, yeah, I think a lot, a lot has to do with, you know, our approach and taking into consideration that the communities in which we serve, um, how they're being affected, how they're being impacted by this pandemic, and what we could do in the aftermath to support You know, them. guys, if you have an opportunity to um, do something, especially as educators, as much as we appreciate each other and the work that we do on a day-to-day, and we appreciate the work of all educators, no matter what education looks like for you, but if you consider yourself an educator, we appreciate you. But after this pandemic, it is going to be up to us to really rally, especially those of us who are um, who are the representation the representation of the black and brown community? It's going to be up to us to rally together and do something, do something for students all across the board, so that we ensure that our community is being served appropriately, and two that they get exactly what they need because we are the voices for them. Whatever policy work we have to rally around together, whatever advocacy work we have to do around, you know, together, whoever we have to call, it's going to be for for those students, no matter the age group of those students, because um, this is something that's going to take a collective to change. If it has to change, um, it's going to take a collective of us to ensure that it changes. And I'm also thinking about um, this doesn't only impact students now. It's going to impact students 
to come and we want our history to we want our history to show that at the end of the day um we did something and we made sure we changed the narrative and the course in which black and brown students get what they need um which in turns which in turns sometimes mm-hmm. not always helps everyone but right now and right right now in the resources and when we think about how resources are allocated i'm worried about our community i'm worried about the minorities i'm not worried about the others who have parents who are probably have stocks still and investments still and and has legacy that can support them throughout we need to think about those who don't have those same um resources so it's going to be up to us to gallivant and do that grassroots work to ensure that policies benefit now our community our students and our community mm-hmm. so sorry i was a little passionate <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just that you know that's, that's just the core of the work yeah. that i know i want to do to ensure right. that you know like at, at the root of it all students that are part of our community get what they need that's all you know yeah, that's all. Definitely. Oh, so we had a really like so this mm-hmm. was a really packed, informative conversation. So I mean, we touched a little bit about, you know, the work that you've done prior and how interaction with your students was very vital there and so even more so in this space now with this pandemic, you know, we we understand that the interaction, the connections with students even more vital now and what they need um, is even more important to narrow and zoom in and assess and find out how we are going to support and navigate these students so that they get what they need. Um, but let's think about you as an educator mm-hmm. who is always, who is the resource. Um, how do, how do you, mm-hmm. now we're going to turn into self-care because I always ask you guys this because self-care is very important. Wellness mm-hmm. is, is very important, um, before even more so now and will always be right. Cause, um, you can't keep giving if you are not right. also, um, doing things to ensure that you can be a giver, um, and be, and be there also for you. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that you do? for you um, to, to, to self-care, to be back to reality, to keep yourself together? Like, what are some things that you do? Yeah, so I'm definitely a proponent of self-care. Um, as a social worker, that's something that we push all of the time. Um, I personally, you know, try to find ways that um, benefit my overall health. So like, I know for me, I'm, I'm a vegan. I've been a vegan for more than a little bit over like 10 years now, or more than that, actually. Um, I, so I make sure that I eat healthy. Um, I make sure that I'm taking care of my physical as much as I'm taking care of my spiritual. Um, I read, I pray, I cook, um, I listen to music, <laughs> trap music and gospel music. Judgment-free zone, judgment-free zone. Don't, um, <laughs> don't, exactly. I speak to my friends, uh, speak to my family members when I, when I have the time via FaceTime, via group chat, 
via Instagram. Um, I also, I watch, you know, movies, documentaries, films, that anything that I'm interested in, in watching. And I call mm. out of work. So I think that... <laughs> Um, doing all of those things has helped me to remain sane during this pandemic, especially calling out of work. I think at one point in time, we had reached like the one month mark of being um, quarantined. And I felt so overwhelmed. I was like, oh, my God, I just I just want a day where I'm just in bed watching TV, yes. doing nothing. You deserve it. And for one for, for a second, I was just like wait can I call out because technically <laughs> I'm home and I'm not like going to work but nobody's at work right now so I was like <laughs> so confused about wanting to call out and then I text my work group chat and I said hey everyone um I'm gonna take a self-care day today so that means that I'm not responding to any emails or phone calls um so please you know respect my time and I was like, and everyone, it was so, it was so interesting because everyone in the chat was funny, like, yeah, oh my God, me too. You started a revolution, like, like day off wasn't yeah. normal before. And then, like, we could have. <laughs> exactly. Everybody was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm, like, I'm forgetting that we could still take days off. And I'm like, yeah, we could still take days off. And so I think for me, um, understanding when is appropriate for me to take a day off. Like I, I now more, more than ever, I'm paying attention to cues mm. that my body gives me, like signals that my body gives me. So like, if I'm feeling stressed, if I'm feeling tense, if I feel like I kind of just want to be away, take a step away from my laptop and, you know, disengage with what's going on and kind of just be on those days. I'm just like, I am going to call out today because in order for me to do the work that I do, That's right. I have mm -hmm. to be my best mm -hmm. self. Um, and so if I'm not my best self, what tends to happen, you'll see that this happens with, with, with some, some other people. Like if you really pay attention to, you know, the work settings that you work in, people will come into work upset. People come into work, you know, carrying things, you know, from their home and, you know, they're in their interaction with other people it's just like, wow, like what happened to this person? And that's because people don't mm -hmm. really take the time to self-reflect and to know when it's time right. for them to kind of take a break. You know, you ever, you ever, you know, came across a person working at the grocery store and like this person is so, is so upset to put your items in a bag. And it's just like, well, I didn't ask you to go to work today, <laughs> but thank you. Um, you know, it's so I'm like, we have to understand like when we do feel that way mm. um, to take a step back because um, to go into work or to be able to interact with other people and you're displacing your unhealthy emotions on other people um, isn't fair to them. It's a disservice to them. It's a disservice to yourself um, as the, as the individual that you are or that you or mm -hmm. how you want to present mm -hmm. yourself as an individual so I'm realizing even during this quarantine season that self-care, a lot of self-care has to do with being mindful of those things. Um, 
self-reflecting mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so happy that you said that um and I think a lot of us were struggling with this and probably still is the fact that we're working from home we're already home so it's like everyone feels guilty if they have right. to take a day off because it's like well I, it's like well yeah. you're already home sheesh what, what else do you want you know but it's like no there's boundaries right. and it's even more important now if you need to take a day off because you are working from home and it's like you have to have a type of separation right you have to have a type of like no this is work and even though I'm home this is work time and this is me time and if I need a day off the same way I would have need it in a regular day I'm gonna still take that and and mm-hmm. they have to honor that they have Absolutely. to honor that um I th- I think some some Absolutely. administrators or employees more more so because I'm going to talk you know as as a company or as an organization, employees are forgetting you're not the only one that should be able that should be um at an advantage to take the day off. Your employees should too, and you do not mm-hmm. need to side eye them for that. Let them be. Let them be. <laughs> you know we have to understand right. that the same way you need a break everybody else needs a break especially right now it's more important now don't be going on like hiatus now you know what I mean but take care of Mm -hmm. take care of yourself take care of yourself um Mm -hmm. I forgot to ask you this question but we are going to come back to the self-care do you ever separate you the social worker from you the professor Um, I don't think that I can actually. <laughs> I think being a social worker is mm-hmm. almost the essence of who I am. Um, because I naturally like to advocate for people. I like to be present for people. Um, and so even while teaching, a lot of that comes up while I'm teaching. I the way that I frame my like curriculum. Um, has a lot to do with self-advocacy. It has a lot to do with community organizing. It has a lot to do with um, students understanding the, the importance of civic engagement. Um, it has a lot to do with um, advancing yourself as an individual um, and self-development. It has a lot to do with career advancement and understanding what is the next step beyond getting your degree, mm-hmm. um, earning your degree. Um, so I don't think I can necessarily detach the two. Um, and I think it's a, it's a good thing. It's worked for me. So I think it's a good thing. Um, so, yeah. No, I don't think I... I, and, I and, I'm, and, and I'm glad that you find that you know your... You know what works for you. You know your niche. You know how you can best be effective to your community and be passionate about what it is that you do. So, I'm happy to hear, you know, you, you say that. It, it really isn't the separation of the two. And I think that social workers, no matter what field they go into, they, they can never be a separation. Either than the health fear or not there can never be a separation of the two because at the core of social workers and educators is about helping others you know it's it's about helping others Mm -hmm. so tell other educators Mm -hmm. out there and the people give us some give us some um you know what a what are some tips you'd give for us about how to take care what a big two or three things or one that you would say for us to consider or do to take care of ourselves? 
Um, you know, I would say practice mindfulness, um, be in tune with yourself, know when your body is telling you to step back, um, know what to do that, uh, when, when you want to make yourself be happy or feel at peace, you know, everyone has a unique way of mm-hmm. taking care of them, their selves. Um, and, but self-care is all inclusive. It includes the physical, the mental, the spiritual, the emotional. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it has different dimensions to it. So I think in creating your own self-care plan or self-care strategy, you should make sure that you are implementing activities or things that address all of these areas of self-care. Um, and understanding how important it is for you to take care of you, um, because at the end of the day, um, if you are no longer mm. in your work, we're always yes. doing and you can mm-hmm. be replaced, right? You could be replaced easily. So um, number one is to take care of yourself and take care of your family, um, be that social support that you can be to those around you, Um and yeah, just be mindful that, you know, after God, you come first, mm. then everyone yes. else around you, because that's how we're going to be mm-hmm. able to take care of each other. Um, the way that they say when you're on the airplane and if it's if it's crashing, you know, you got to put the oxygen max on yourself first before you can put it on someone else, um, because you can't you can't do anything else for anyone else if mm-hmm. you are not taking mm-hmm. care of mm-hmm. yourself first. So that's what um, I would say. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, and. Good. What is one thing that you want us all to remember? Um, in life or in this, out, conversation, this conversation and in life and as it pertains to everything that we've talked about today? Um, I would say, you know, to continue being passionate passionate about the issues that matter um continue to find ways to serve you and your community uh, if that if that means that you have to be the only person in the room to to speak up um even when it's uncomfortable do that um because chances are someone else wants to say with what you are saying um and they just didn't have the courage to do so and you could be the catalyst for change. Um, so I would say, you know, definitely f- find something that you're passionate about and think about ways that you can serve others in your community. Um, think about ways that you can better yourself because in bettering ourselves, we're able to help other people become better, uh, better people for themselves as well. Um, and continue to learn Continue to learn. Uh, I know that many of us who are educators, you know, we mm-hmm. we we've learned a lot, but you know, you still ha- you, there's still more to learn. Um, if I can say that, so continue to learn, continue to read, continue to educate yourself, um, and be mindful that the world is ever changing around us. And so, as the world changes, we all we are to also have a. Pro- aggressive yeah um mindset when it comes to those to those things and yeah i would say you know um t- 
continue to be courageous, continue to advocate for things that matter and um continue well to said well well change. said well said guys again this is rebecca sister becky of quarantine with becky who was such mm-hmm. a phenomenal and really shared some things that probably a lot of us haven't even thought about um as it pertains to how students on the academia level being affected by this pandemic. We thank you as an educator for everything that you do and 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 yeah, and being the voice at the table. It sounds like you bring the table, sis. You know? <laughs> um, but you know, and, and thank God that he put that spirit in you to be able to be in a be always step in a room and, and make change. Um, and you know, and create change in those t- type of spaces. So we really, really appreciate you and thank you. Um, also if I know this is a, another plug, but, um, if you are looking for ways to join an education, an education, a group of educators, black educators who are trying to make change in spaces, um, and policies and advocacy for, um, people who look like us, you can also check out on Instagram, um, black edfluencers united, which is B E dash U or black underscore ed underscore you they're also an organization of black educators who just decided to come together and may and and do something um so you could also join them on instagram see how you could get connected if you want to support um but again thank you so much rebecca for coming on this was a phenomenal yeah, this was a phenomenal Thank conversation. And in light of her being an educator, join on her next episode, right? You have another episode coming on this Friday at nine. <laughs> at next nine week. on um yeah. at with quarantine with Becky on Instagram at her at Sister Becky so that you can know when the next episode is going to show. Okay, you don't want to miss it. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Okay, so thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so this is the final. This is the final episode with um work life and quarantine, and I'm so glad we ended it on the educators note because. Without educators, we wouldn't have people in the spaces that they are in doing the work, doing the work that they do every day. Our president, you know, had to had to <laughs> had to be educated at some point. I'm not talking about 45. I'm talking about those that really created <laughs> created real change. Um, but everyone had to go through an educational background of some sort to be where they are today. So we cannot forget the work that educators do. Is just as vital as everybody else. So thank you. All right. Yeah. 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 Thank, thank you. So thank you for tuning in to another episode with Check It Out by Jules. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode and also our guests. Our guests are always awesome and we always thank you for being on. So until next time, bye.